0: Ever met somebody who was selfish? I mean, really selfish. <laughs> Some of you are looking at your neighbor. You're not supposed to be doing that. This is church, and alright, keep it focused on you. Selfish. You ever met somebody who was selfish? I mean really selfish. They they live their life focused on themselves, focused on who they are, focused on what they want. Selfish. I read a little article that kind of it, it captured the idea and the thought of being selfish. It was a, a man who, who became concerned about one of the people on the street and so on, on his block and so he began to go around He, he had heard that they, uh, you know, he, he had lost this man had lost his job, and so he became very concerned so he, he began to go up and down the street and he, he said, "You know one of our neighbors here in the, in the, on the block." The husband's, he's lost his job, and, you know, they're really struggling to make the, just meet the bills. The, you know, the kids are needing some food. And, and, and worst of all, if they don't get enough money to pay for their rent tomorrow, they're going to be kicked out of the house. Could you help me? So he knocks on everybody's door. This one lady says, Oh, oh absolutely, I'll help. And she, she goes and gets her purse. And so she's trying to find as much money as she can. And, and so she's asking, so what is your name? And he says, I'm John. And she, she's asking a few more questions while she's searching through her purse, looking for money to help. She's really concerned. She goes, how do you know this, this couple? Well, he said, well, I'm, I, just, I just known them for a while. And she said, well, that's not what I asked. Well, you know, how do you know them? And he goes, well, I'm the landlord. <laughs> Selfish. Selfish. In which not really caring to help, but wanting to make sure help yourself. Have you ever seen somebody mask their help in a way that it looks like it's beneficial for somebody else, but really it was all about them selfish. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to be talking through the eight things, again, that God uses to grow your faith, the eight things that God uses to grow my faith. Last week, we talked through um, how that God uses family, God uses family to grow our faith. Now, some of you are going, I don't have any family. I'm I'm, I'm in college, or maybe I'm too old. I've I've already done that. I don't have kids in the home. But for you to be the child that God's called you to be, for you to be the husband or for you to be the wife that God has called you to be, the the son, the daughter, for you to be the grandparent that God's called you to be, it's gonna require faith. It's gonna require you to actually say, okay, God, I need you to grow me because honestly, I can't do what you've called me to do. To be a husband that really honors God, that really honors my wife, that really loves my kids the way you've called me to do it. God, I can't do it on my own. And so if you missed last week, I'm going to challenge you. Go on to the website. We actually have our podcast up there. You can catch last week. I'm not going to repeat it because we don't have enough time. We need to do something else today. If you were not here the week before that, when we started the series, we talked through how that God uses friends and how that God uses friendships to actually build our faith. That the Christian life was not meant for you to live alone, but the Christian life is actually best when you allow people into your life so that those people can actually sharpen you, where you live in a close relationship, where you allow them to show you your blind spots. And yes, we all have blind spots where you actually allow them to say, I love you enough to not allow you to stay like you are, but I want to challenge you. I want to walk with you on this spiritual journey and they're willing to come around you and with you so that your faith begins to grow and you encourage each other. Christian friends who encourage each other and aggravate each other to be doing good works for God. Today, we're talking about selfless living. We live in a society in which it's all focused on you, isn't it? It's all about you. It's all about what you wear. It's all about what you get. Even in the family life, it's easy to push selfishness, isn't it? It gets a little frustrating even to, to look to the political world right now. It doesn't even seem like there's anybody who's willing to step up and say, hey, I'm for the, for the country. Yet they all say it, but then you watch how they move and live their lives. It doesn't seem like it, does it? It becomes very frustrating. So here's the call and here's the quest for us. For you and I to actually learn what it means to live without a self-interest and a self-focus. For you and I to live Selflessly. Romans chapter 12, you have your Bibles. I'm going to ask that you turn over there with me. Romans chapter 12, you know these verses. Some of you have read these verses. Some of you have even memorized these verses. Some of you have, might even have taught these verses. So we're going to start in verse one and two. And I think when we put it in context, you might be challenged like you haven't been challenged before. Romans chapter 12. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever read the cartoons, uh, peanut cartoons in the newspaper, but this is with Snoopy and Charlie Brown and all those. Charlie Brown, and uh, he's had some friends. Lucy, do you remember Lucy? She's a dark-haired little girl. She has a little brother named Linus. Well, Linus is sitting there and he's watching TV and Lucy comes in, his older sister, she comes in and she demands that he turns the ch- channel on the TV. And he asks, what makes you think that you can walk in here and boss me around and tell me to change the channels on TV. And Lucy says, these five fingers, he looks at her. He goes, what? She goes, yes, alone, they might be individuals, but when they come together, they become a powerful weapon. (laughs) Linus looks at his sister, he ducks and he sighs. And as he's walking to turn to the TV, he says, what channel do you want? Then he looks at his hands. And he says, why can't you come together like that? (laughs) What would happen? What would happen if more than one individual today, what would happen if more than one Christ follower today would actually say, I'm willing to live selflessly as God has called us to? Here's what would happen. You would see the church dramatically change. Your faith would come alive. This church would be a new place. On the average church in America, you will find this is average. This is normal. 20 to 25% of the members are those who are serving. Did you catch that? Out of the members, those who say, this is a church that I want to be a part of. This is a church I'm, I'm, I'm going to attend. This is a church that I'm going to be active in. Only 20 to 25% of them actually serve. What would happen if instead of being individuals, we began to look at each other and say, there's something more that God has called us to be. And it starts with us saying, I'm no longer about me. I'm going to be about serving. What if you moved the church membership from 20 to 25? You moved it up to 50% of people who are actually using their gifts to serve people. Can you imagine? Now, now this is going to be mind-blowing. What would happen if those who claim the name of Jesus Christ would actually do what we're talking about today? This is bare minimum Christianity you want your faith to explode, you want your faith to ignite, you want your faith to become more than what it's ever been, it's going to become a point in your life where you say, I willingly lay down my life. You ready? Romans chapter 12, you have your Bibles. Let's look at what it says. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Now today I'm going to read verse one and two right now. And then in just a few moments, we're going to be going into the the next few verses. So hang Uh, Keep your finger in this. Don't close your Bibles up because we're going to walk through one and two. Then I'm going to walk us on into the next few verses as well. Here's what it says. Romans chapter 12, verse one. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. The King James here says, "Your reasonable service. It's just normal. Next, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you'd reach down and you would work. God, I pray that you would move in this time. I pray that as we've sung songs, as we've read your scripture, God, as we've interacted with each other, God, I pray that this has been a time and a moment in which you've seen these acts as worship to you and you've seen our hearts. Now, God, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would have full and complete reign on this time. I'm asking that you would speak into our lives. You know each person who's here and you know what they need to hear and what they need to take away. So God, I pray that you would move so that we're a different people when we walk out of here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. So here we are. We have the very first Romans 12, verse one, verse two. You have the same thing that you've heard over and over again. That we are to present our bodies a living what? Okay, passion please. We are to present our bodies a living? Okay, that is not comfortable, is it? it doesn't even it doesn't even really fathom and doesn't even really work in our lives because the honest to goodness truth is this we don't want to do this but if you're going to live as the bible is calling us to right here to live selflessly you will have to make a choice It will be a choice that you make that you say, okay, God, I am here, I want to follow you. And because I want to follow you, God, I'm willing to get on the altar and say, God, here's my body, here's my talents, here's everything that you've given me. God, here I am, a living sacrifice. Now, the problem with a living sacrifice is what? It can get up off the altar and walk off. And it does it over and over and over again. Again. So, what this means is this that it's going to be something more than just a one time choice. Did you catch that? It's more than a one time choice. Just because when you were a teenager, you said, God, I'll be willing to do whatever you ask, it doesn't mean it's now over and done. It's going to require you to actually go further than you've ever gone before. It's a choice to say, God, I'm willing to do whatever. Here's my body, here's my talents. Here's my gifts. Here's my resources. Here's my passion. Here's my energy. Well, Heath, you don't understand. I'm busy. Man, I have so many things going on. Do you realize the school wants me to be on the PTA? You mean I have I have all this stuff at I have all this stuff at work. And, and I'm supposed to actually put into my time serving God, serving people. Are you serious? you don't understand how, much, how busy I am. Well, here, let me just repeat a, a phrase, living sacrifice. If it wasn't called a sacrifice, then it wouldn't cost you anything. And it wouldn't be uncomfortable and it wouldn't be hard to do. But because it's actually a sacrifice, it means that you have to rearrange your time, you have to rearrange your resources and you actually have to say, okay, God, this is gonna cost me something to serve you. Here I am, I'm ready. But many times when we talk about a living sacrifice, what we want to talk about this, and when we talk about this verse, this is what we want to do. We want to just simply talk, man, I love God so much. I'm willing to do whatever. And we want to pray and we want to sing great songs and we just want to talk about how much we love God. But we rarely want to actually let it cost us because it's easy to sing songs and to get emotionally stirred. And it's easy, it's easy to get into a small group and talk about how much God has done for you. That's easy. Are you following me? But to actually move into a place in which you say, okay, God, I'm gonna actually put myself down and I'm gonna say, God, whatever it takes, it's no longer about my own personal interest, it's gonna cost you something. And the reason why many of you are so willing just to do just a little bit is because it makes it, you feel like you've sacrificed. And so, hey, I'll pass out this. I'll do, I'll do one thing once every four months, and I'll say that I've done well. Are you, are you tracking with this? Because then it makes you feel like, oh, good, I've done something And so then we're comfortable and we're able to come in and we're not convicted and we're not moved by the spirit to do anything else. But here's what I want to push you on. And I want to push hard. And I'm leaning hard on this today to actually live selflessly. It's going to cost you more than just something small. It's going to cost you something more. And if you really love God, then that's just part of it. You see, if I really love my wife, then I'm going to actually have to rearrange my time to actually talk to her. I know that's a brilliant mind, mindset, but all you have to do, I love her, so now I actually have to engage her in conversations. Now I have to actually spend time with her. So when I leave church on Sundays, here's what my typical response is if I'm not careful. She'll ask, how did everything go on Sunday? Fine. You see, as a male, I've already spent all my words up in just two services. I'm done talking. <laughs> Amen, that's a good one. So I'm done, I'm, I'm, I'm done for the day, I don't wanna talk anymore. But it's gonna be a sacrifice to actually, right? Are you following this? So here we are, here we are. It says, it's a choice. If I wanna live selflessly, a living sacrifice where I say, okay, God, I'm willing to be wholly set apart for you. God, you can use me and I'm willing to serve you. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And then part of the choice is this. You're going to have to actually change your mindset. This is renewing your mind. You have to get into God's word because honestly, this is not normal. This is not something that's just going to take place just because you came to church one time. If you're actually going to say, it's not about me and you're going to live this way, you're going to have to transform your mind because this is a choice that's going to happen daily. So you're going to have to be in God's word. You're going to have to be around good teaching so that you actually hear it and it begins to transform your mind where you actually say, whoa, wow, God really loved me that much. If God loved me that much that when I was his enemy, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for me and that he loves me so much that he's willing to walk with me. You're right. It's just reasonable service to serve him. It's just reasonable. It's just the thing I should do your mind doesn't just automatically change until you begin to get into God's word and you get around God's word where his word begins to change your mind. Now, let me show you something else. Because you're making a choice, he's changing your body, changing your mind, saying this is something that's gonna actually have to go out. I'm gonna do something different. Let me show you something else that has to change. Look down at verse three. This is, it's exciting. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. (laughs) Okay, this is where it's going to get a little tough. You ready for this? So if I'm going to actually see myself change and I'm actually going to be selfless, then I actually have to allow God to change the way I see other people. You want to know why, at the core, why you don't want to serve? Because at the core, you think that you're more special and that you deserve to be served rather than serve them others at the core. You think of yourself more highly than you ought. You think it's about you. You think church is about you. You think this life is about you. And so to actually be selfless, you actually have to say, God, I'm jacked up. God, It's all about me right now. So God, would you actually change and move and work in my life, renew my mind? If I'm gonna be a living sacrifice today, then God, I need you to help me not to think of myself more highly than I should. Because right now, God, the way I'm living, the way I like to live, is I like to think that everybody's here to serve me. And when I come to this place or when I go to other places, I expect them to serve me. And I think that that's just normal. But the reality is that's not normal. Amen. The reality is, is for those who have actually trusted Jesus Christ as their personal savior, you realize that you are not the most important. Yeah. Whew, that's tough, isn't it? Amen. Okay, now you ready? Now that's all part of the choice to live selflessly. Now watch what Paul begins to do as he, as he continues in Romans. Look at verse, th- the last part of verse three. He says, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, to live selflessly, it's going to take a step of faith. Let me show you some things here. In order for you to actually trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it was God who revealed to you that you were a sinner, and it was God who actually called you to himself and gave you the faith to believe. You did not just get to do that on your own. It was not something that just happened. It was God who moved and he's the one who gave you faith. Now watch this. If he's the one who gave you faith to believe, and now he says, I've given you faith in the measure that you need to actually take this step. That's a pretty exciting thing, isn't it? So God is saying, I'm gonna call you to actually live selflessly. And I'm gonna call you to serve, but don't worry. I've already given you the faith that you need for this step, I've given you a measure of faith. Isn't that amazing? I love this about my God, because he doesn't ask me to do something that I can't do. He asked me to do something and he already provides the way in which I can do it. He says, this is the faith step. Now, anytime you're gonna serve, anytime you're gonna step out, it's gonna require faith. And it's, re- it's gonna require you to actually say, okay, God, I'm not really sure I can do this, but I'm willing, but help me take a step. If you're really serving. Now, if you're just doing something small, then it's not really much of a faith step. But for some, for some, to actually be greeters, to actually have to smile, to be kind, oh man, that, that's a huge step step of faith. For somebody else, it might be, okay, this is gonna be hard. Do you want me, okay, God, I like kids, but I don't know if I like a room of twenty two year olds. So, God, I'm going to need some faith to actually take this step. God, I enjoy singing, but I don't know if I can get up. And I don't know if that's, uh, I'm not sure. You want me to get involved? I don't know, God. It's going to take a faith step. For many, one of the reasons your faith has not come alive and has not begun to grow is because you are not allowing God to take and help you take the next step. You've been sitting, you've been soaking, you've been souring, and you become stagnant. And you stink. Your faith is dead. Your faith is not moving because you have not in a long time taken a faith step to serve somebody else. Watch this. It radically changes your faith and it radically changes your prayers when you begin to serve. Here's what happens in church. You sit for a while, you begin to soak, you begin to sour, you begin to stagnate, you begin to smell. And so here you are. That's a lot of S's. That was pretty good. Write that one down, put it down, boys. That's going on the blog. All right, here we go. So you've sat there for a while, and now it's, it's, it's changing. And so you're just sitting around. And you know what happens in church when you've been sitting for a long time? You begin to gripe and complain. And you just began to gripe about, I can't believe this, I can't believe this. And your prayers, here's how you pray. God, that pastor's an idiot. I can't believe he's making those decisions. I can't believe, what is going on? And that's how you pray. But when you actually begin to serve, and it's requiring faith, that same person who's at the doors, who might be a very big step, you know what they're doing? Sunday morning, God, I pray today when I smile that it actually maybe means something to somebody. So God, when they come through my door, I pray that you help me be able to say the right words. Help me actually at least say hello. Help me not to stumble over my words. God, I pray that when they walk through my door, they feel loved and connected. Hello. You get a teacher who's, who's back there helping and they're, they're just struggling with those two-year-olds and man, it's hard and they're in there and man, they're sweating and they're wearing t-shirts and shorts just because they have to run around with those kids. And they're back there. You know what they're praying in the morning? God, give me the energy and God, I pray that you'd help me to learn, help me to love on these kids. God, when those parents come, would you help me to have the good word to say, a kind word to say? And automatically it changes the way you pray because you're taking a faith step. You see, there's kids back there who need your love and need your care. And that might be the best hug that they've had all week. And if we don't have kids like that, then we need to be praying that God brings more like that. See, I've worked in children's church. I've worked in youth ministries. I've worked in those places where that was the highlight of the week. It was such a highlight. And because those parents are those workers down there, college students, high school students, those adults, those parents, those grandparents who are down there working. You see, I get to go to the homes and I get to talk to people who say, we got, came back this week because my kids had so much fun and my kids were begging us to come back. It was my kids who were actually saying, wake up, dad, are we going to church? It was the kids bringing the parents. And let me be real honest, it wasn't because what I did, it was because of what was happening down there and because people were praying down there. And people were saying, this is my step of faith and I'm going to get involved and I'm going to do something. You see, it's pretty exciting when somebody actually says, I'm going to stop complaining about the music and I'm just going to get involved. I've got talents. I have gifts. You know what happens? Now, instead of griping about the music and complaining, when they get up on stage and before they get on stage all week long, they're praying, God, help me to actually hit this note. God help me not to be a distraction, but God help me to help people come into your presence. Do you see how it changes your prayer? It changes you radically when you actually take a faith step. Now, if you're just gonna be comfortable and not really do much, it won't change your prayers. But when you're willing to say, God, I'm ready to lay down my life as a living sacrifice and I will serve in whatever capacity you've asked me to, it will radically change your prayers and your faith will begin to grow. Why? Because God's designed it that way. You see, Abraham wasn't asked to sacrifice his son at the very beginning of his walk with God. See, many of us would sit back and say, there's no way I'd have that kind of faith. I would sacrifice my son and then my son would rise again. I don't have that kind of faith. Abraham didn't either. But God took him from the very beginning. Okay, Abraham, here's your step. I need you to just trust me and follow me. Leave your homeland and I want you to go this way. First step of faith. Then Abraham, I need you to do this. Next step of faith. Abraham, here's your next step. And God continued to build his faith. And each step that you say, okay, God, I'll lay down, I'll stop being selfish, and I'll do something, what God is doing is he's building your faith. He's stretching you so you can actually do what he's called you to do. Now, let me show you some more stuff. This gets exciting. You ready? Romans chapter 12, go on down. Look at verse 4. For as in one body, we are many members. Selflessness welcomes diversity. When you begin to really understand that you are different and it's okay to be different and that God has called you to actually be selfless, then when you look across the room and you see somebody different than you, you can be okay with that. But when it's all about you, why didn't they serve me? Well, this is the way I would have done it. Do you see the difference? When it's about you, you are free to gripe about everything they did because they didn't act the way you did. But when you understand it's not about you anymore and it's no longer selfless, now you can look across the room and say, wow, I wish they would actually have more energy. Energy's okay. But I guess there's some people who just don't have much energy, that's okay. There's some people that have too much energy and they get a little crazy. Wish they would not be as emotional, right? But then you look across and now there's grace because now you're saying, you know what? That's the way they serve. That's the way they love. That's the way they engage. And that's the way they're saying, God, it's not about them. And now it allows diversity. Here's where it gets exciting. When we have people come into this room, now we look across and we now say, okay, wait a minute. They're different, they're different, they're different. And that's great. Now we welcome people when they come in. Now we're able to say this. We need you. Do you know why? We need you because you're obviously coming in here. God has gifted you. God has blessed you with gifts. God has given you certain things that we don't have. So the reason you're actually in this place together with us is because we need what you have. We are obviously lacking the gifts that you have. So God brought you here to help build us out. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? So now you're welcoming people. And now you're able to say, you don't have to be like us. All you have to do is come in, let's love Jesus and let's use your gifts so that we actually become what God has called us to be. And that's a diverse group of people. For we're one body and we're very diverse. It means we all start working together. Look what else happens as we begin to be selfless. Verse five, so we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy and cheerfulness. What he begins to do is now he lays it out and he says, okay, it's your gifts, it's your selflessness. When you are willing to engage, it allows for us to actually do the work that God has called us to do. When one body, one church began to actually incorporate and allow people to use their gifts and people began to rise up and say, I'm willing to be selfless. How can I serve? How can I be a part of this body to do what God has called us? Do you know what happens? Every time the kingdom of God is advanced, every time. So the question becomes, how do you serve? How do you know what kind of gifts you have? Do you have to take one of those tests? Well, if you would like to, we have them. There, there's about a hundred questions. And so that might scare half of you right there. You're like, man, there's no way I'm doing that. They're, they're good. They're helpful. They're positive. Now, if you like the, a shortcut, because again, that might be part of your personality. Some people like a lot of detail. Some people can't stand detail. So I don't know where you land, but let me just give you the shortened abbreviation. Ready? You see through your giftedness. You see, that's what you see when you walk into this room, when you're here, when you walk through a building, when you walk into an organization, when you walk into Walmart, you always see through your giftedness. So when you come in here, if you're gifted in music, then you automatically begin to hear, whoa, that guy was way off that the music's just a little too loud. If they could come down a few decibels, this would actually blend. And if this music instrument would actually come up, if this tempo would actually slow down just a little bit, and then it needs to build. If you're thinking that, you're a musician. Now, for some of us, man, it, it worked. It's good. Man, I have to have people clapping on beat so I can just figure out the beat. I'm a white guy through and through, and it's just how it goes. No rhythm. I mean, now if we're gonna do a two-step, maybe I could do that, but that's West Texas for you. So we're not doing that here. So I need help. Now, here we go. Some of you walk in and automatically, automatically you're going, if they would just do this and make this change, and if they would just bring this over here, all it is is just a few tweaks. And And now you actually created an org chart and you've created all these different things. Guess what? You're gifted in administration. That's pretty simple because that's how you see. Other people walk in and say, man, I love the chaos. More chaos that's better. I don't like it when it's so structured. So you're seeing through your giftedness. Does that help? You see, what you see is an automatic invitation. Uh Uh-oh. Did you catch what I just did? It's an automatic invitation for for God saying to you, come on. Be the body of Christ. Be the body that I've called you to be. Get involved. Make this place what it's called to be. Every time, watch this every time that the church began to actually serve the way it was called to be, to be selfless, you see the Word of God expand and multiply, and you see the cities reached. Let me make a very clear statement. You ready? When I'm talking about selfless living right here, I'm talking about in the church first. Let me show you how I'm getting this. Ready, go on down to the next verse. All the way up until this point, have we been talking about the world? Have we? No. We're talking about using your gifts for the body of Christ. Look at verse nine. Now these become the marks of a true Christian. This becomes kind of how, as you live, this is what happens. Let your love be genuine. A poor what is evil, hold fast what is good, love one another with brotherly affection. Who are we talking about? Are we talking about people outside the church yet? We're not. It says, outdo one another in showing honor. Whoa! This is competition. I don't know if you like competition. I love competition. I love competing, just eating food. It doesn't matter what, man, I, I just compete. I compete with my wife, I compete with my kids. I even compete with Ryan Black on what his PX, P90X. He can't go that far. Where's he at? Ah, oh, he missed it. That was a good one. He always comes back at me on stuff. We compete, I love to compete. Now, the competition here is that we are to so be selfless, in such an enormous way that what happens? We begin to try to outdo each other in love. And how we are serving, we are to be outdoing each other. Now, when this happens, it automatically causes our outreach to be multiplied. Now I'm passionate about outreach and I am passionate about talking to people who don't know Jesus Christ. But let me show you something. If the church cannot be selfless to one another, you don't have the impact to actually minister to those outside the church. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, this is the first calling of deacons. What happens is this: you have a group of people who are being ministered to. There's there's ladies who are who are widows, they're they're getting food and they're being taken care of during the week. And then what happens is this: there's a group of ladies, a group of widows who aren't being taken care of. They're not Jews, they're non-Jews, they're Greeks, they're different. And so what's happening is they're not being taken care of. And you know what happens in the church when needs aren't being met? Do you know? It's, it's the same thing that happens today, griping and complaining. Everybody's griping, they're being racist, they don't like us, obviously. And all of a sudden the church is focused more on griping and complaining than actually selfless living. And so all of a sudden, the, the, the apostles say, okay, we got to stop this. We need to care for needs because this is when there's a drop ball and we're not taking care of people, people are hurt and they don't think that they're important. And they don't think that they're, the church actually cares. Does the church care? Absolutely. So the deacons actually call, or the apostles call in seven men and they say, okay, here it is. You're going to be deacons and you're going to start serving and you're going to start making sure needs are being met. That's all your job is, is just to distribute food. And they start doing that. And as soon as they start doing that and they start serving and selfless living, the next few verses say what? And the word of God was multiplied and it increased throughout the entire region. Isn't that amazing? When you and I begin to actually get into our gifting and say, okay, God, you have called me to live and lay down my life and to be selfless. I'm gonna serve in any way you call me to. When we start doing that as a body, we begin to minister You go out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It starts walking you through all the different body parts and all the different ways in which we as a body begin to serve and love each other. And when you and I begin to become what God has called us to be, again, the word of God multiplies. Go over to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, it tells you that God has given you gifts, given the church, apostles, teachers, pastors, missionaries, evangelists. He's given these gifts to the church. And here's what happens. When the pastor, this is my job, when I encourage you and I push you to say, it's more than me doing the ministry. My job is not to do the full work of the ministry. Why? Because I can't. I can't minister to everybody. There's too many people even in this room. I can't touch everybody. But here's what I can do. When I can encourage and I can bring the body of Christ to say, you do what you can. You do where God has placed you. You become what God has called you to do. And when we do this, and I help encourage you to actually get involved. Here's what happens. It says the church body is built up in Ephesians 4. And then the church body is able to be ministering to those outside. Selfless living it radically changes the way in which you live.